1: It's hard to remember, but 80 degrees sounds pretty nice. Mid-80s this afternoon, we heard Brad say just a moment ago. If you have questions about your garden, this is the time to get the mysteries cleared up. If you have a question about your lawn, your trees, your shrubs, anything that you have growing or not growing so well out of the landscape, you can give me a call at 404-872-0750, the magic phone number that gets you in to talk on the phone. Don't be afraid of talking on the phone. It's just like picking it up and talking to your sister or your parents or the kids. Even if you just know how to dial those numbers, 404 Magic numbers. get to talk to me and I get to talk to you. We learn a little bit from each other. That's fine. Don't be nervous calling in on a radio show, even if you've never done it before. It's just like talking on the phone. That's what it is. What did I do this weekend in the garden? Mostly I watered, because every day that was above 90 degrees. There are several plants in my garden that look at me with very accusing eyes and say, Waller, we need more water. You need to be out here more regularly. Give us some water. I had some coleus, and some of you may know that in the past, I guess, 15, 20 even years, That the breeders of coleus plants have found ways to thicken the leaves a little bit to make some varieties of coleus perfectly adaptable to full sun, even 90 degree full sun, in Georgia and not wilt. Back 30 or 40 years ago, if you put a coleus in the sun within 10 minutes, it'd be all wilted down. You always planted coleus in the shade. So, I got some some coleus from one of the plant breeding companies and said, why don't you try this out? It's going to be a nice coleus, pretty color on the flower, on the leaves. And I put it out about a month and a half ago, and, oh, those coleus every day gave me the hairy eyeball. They said, Walter, come on. We need some water. We need less sunshine. Thank you very much. So I moved them to coleus, and they look just perfect underneath the shade of the trees nearby. They are lots happier to move them around a little bit to a to an environment that is more peaceable for those coleus plants. Of course, I had to have something to put in their place, and so I got some uh, New Guinean patients. And New Guinean patients have beautiful flowers, beautiful foliage. They don't need near the water that those coleus did to keep them happy. What else am I doing this week? The beans. The beans are looking good. Now, these are not edible beans. and They may be edible, but they're not the greatest thing in the whole wide world. But I'm using hyacinth bean. You know hyacinthamine? hyacinthine is the one—the vine that has a real, real purple leaves and ecstatically purple seeds. Beautiful, beautiful purple pods, I guess I should say, even though the black seeds inside are pretty attractive all by themselves. And so what I have done as a project this summer and spring is to put a big teepee made out of 10-foot-long rebar poles and... um, plant beans at the bottom of each one of the legs of the teepee, and so the beans are just going gangbusters right now. They're just wrapping around, wrapping around, wrapping around the uh, rebar. So I'm hopeful in uh, two or three weeks it'll be shady underneath there, and I'll put a chair. (laughs) I'll put a chair underneath my teepee, and I'll wave at people as they go up and down the street. I'll have a little shade provided by the hyacinth bean and a couple of moon vines, but they are going crazy in my teepee. Do you know the word thigmotropism you know that word you ever heard of that word thigmo means movement tropism means uh, sort of a reaction to for lack of a better word but thigmotropism is what vines use to wrap around things when a vine touches something you can see this if you if you look closely at beans and and uh, other vines that like to wrap around things but the tendril of the vine the f- You know, first six or seven inches is real tender on a vine Will, over the course of a day, wave back and forth back Very slowly back and forth If you check on it every hour, you can see how much it's changed since the previous hour And when that vine tendril touches something solid They immediately, or I can't say think, but the reaction of the plant Is to start turning real fast Turning around to see if it's something they can wrap around It's called thigmotropism and so they find that thing, they wrap around it, the beans are on the TP. Walter's happy, okay. There's another tropism that uh, plants do called scototropism. It's another thing that vines use, frankly, when they're young. They're looking for some shade, figuring that whatever is taller than me has got to be something I should wrap around. But they're looking for shade first, just the end tendril looking for shades, scototropism and you know geotropism where roots go towards the uh, go towards the ground and towards gravity and uh, sun tropism what's the other for sun? solar tropism I guess for uh, parts of the plant that want to go up to the sky. All these tropisms all these interesting words that mean something to plant people and uh, my hyacinth bean and moon vine are both exhibiting tropisms right now. One thing that I am not happy with the rabbits, the you can't say the words that I want to say about rabbits on the radio without getting cut off. But let's just say that rabbits and I now have a little bit of a tete a tete with each other. That's going to be talked about because my pretty, my beautiful, sweet, uh, sweet potato plants. The nice vines had one that's real sorry, yellowish golden color, really pretty, and one is a real, real deep purple. And I went out early in the week, maybe it was last Sunday, I guess, to check on my plants to give them a little water. And what did I see? But uh, Sweet potato plants had been gnawed down, had been eaten down to about three inches tall. Both of them. Mad about that. All right, let's lighten the lighten the story up a little bit. We're get a little bit lighter. Talk to somebody who's fun to talk to. Our friend Nicole in Griffin, Georgia. Hey, Nicole.
2: Mr. Reeves.
1: Hey, Nicole. What's going on?
2: Well, I think it's awesome. Off- against the animal and us against nature. It is, take over!
1: It is hot, as they say up in Canada. It is very hot right now. I'm
2: telling you, I cut the grass this week, and don't think I've never been that
1: hot. Yeah, I mean, the thing about it is the heat and the humidity makers your shirt just sweat, just drips down my the outside of my shirt, down my stomach, where the shirt is loose against my skin. It is a miserable time to be outside in the afternoon now.
2: Yeah, the only thing that Absorb is put a t-shirt over yourself because
1: yeah. to keep you know keep you cool. Yeah, no, about every five minutes I'm taking off my glasses and wiping my eyes on my t-shirt sleeve and trying to stay cool. Get back inside, and that's the most gracious, wonderful thing is being able to go outside work for a while and then go back inside and have air conditioning to cool you off.
2: Mm, we are so spoiled because in the old days, no air conditioning.
1: Yeah, exactly. None at all. Not in our house where I grew up in Fayetteville. Not a bit of air conditioning other than a box fan. I think they kept the air circulating at least in the kitchen and, and uh, dining room area. But that was about it.
2: Um, I, t- uh, I find a turtle this week.
1: A turtle? Good to you.
2: Well, Mr. Reed, that's one thing I didn't know about turtles. What? When they are scared everything go cool inside.
1: Cool inside. <laughs> Sometimes you wish you could do that, don't you? Be able to
2: breathe. I mean, you never think, where's the leg? Where's the the head? or you turning all upside down? Yeah. And that is like, just luck. I mean, all the they breathe inside there.
1: I had a friend, I have a friend now, who, she says that when she was younger, her family had a dog that could could smell box turtles out in the woods or near a creek or something like that. She said that dog would go and get the box turtle and bring it to me in the woods when I was playing as a child. And she said I'd play with the turtles, you know, all day long like you probably do turning upside down, Nicole. And then she said my dad knew that they would escape if I left for supper. And so he took a drill and drilled a tiny little hole in the edge of the shell. It doesn't hurt the the animal at all And put a piece of string Through there Through the hole in the shell And tied the other end Of the string to a tree So the next day When she came back There were all of her turtles All tangled up in string But all alive And got to be played with Another day
2: I mean, they're just smart two eyes, you know, and if there's no air, because I, I, I put it next to the cat, the cat smells it, <laughs> but they don't smell anything because it's all <laughs> airtight, you know? And I was saying, <laughs> <geez. laughs>
1: That cat, that cat, he thought, what is mama putting down here for me? This is a big old box, what do I know about this?
2: Well, next thing is the blueberries. Oh, blueberry, Ooh, yeah, what about blueberry Evan.
1: Yeah, that right now is gorgeous. You're right across the road, of course, from the blueberry research plot there at the University of Georgia campus in Griffin. It's wonderful to come down there and sample blueberries for some of the breeders who are trying to figure out which one does best. Yeah.
2: And uh, you see, mine, I didn't know what I was doing when I first came here. I I planted them. I took the, the one underneath the big marble. Okay, uh-huh. I put them, but I didn't think, I didn't amend the soil because it was pure sand. So for many years, this big old bush was full of leaves, but it dropped is uh, is is uh,
1: the berries came dropping. Berries. Yeah, it
2: turned red and it dropped it. And for many years, I said probably they like Mister said, They're too young. They're juvenile. But boy, <laughs> after ten years, he said. Ooh!
1: Come on, let's buy some blueberries here. Let's get it with the program.
2: Yes, but then one year, and one time I got smart, I dig it up because I know this hardly. I hate Mr. Reed, this compact. It's just one of my worst thing here in the <laughs> South is compacting soil.
1: So did you move them? Did you put them in a new Not place?
2: put them in the. Uh, still, live it there. But I see all those roots. Do you know where they were going? Where? Next to a a chain link thing, so there's more moisture there. So it tells me that they were starving for water. Yeah,
1: the sandy soil was drying out real quickly, and the blueberries said, "Hey, if you don't give us any water, we won't give you any blueberries." Nicole,
2: tremendous! I mean, (laughs) pressure on the plant. So I did that last year, no berries, and then beautiful green this year. Oh.
1: We only only have about 10 minutes, Nicole, so I know that i got to go. But I hope you enjoy any blueberries you've got and others out here who want to do something fun. You can go on my website and find a list of blueberry growers. Pick your own garden. Pick your own farms that you can go to around Atlanta. And uh, have a great fun afternoon with the family and pick a bunch of blueberries. It is really, really fun. Go to WalterReeves.com and type in pick your own in the search line. Nicole, it's great talking to you. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your blueberries. We'll see you soon. 404-872-0750, the number you're listening to Lawn and Garden. This
0: is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750
1: WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves the Lawn and Garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Mid, let's call it mid-80s this afternoon. Much more pleasant than the early part of the week. Tonight, lows about right where we are right now in the 70s. There may be a bigger chance for rain today than we've had for a couple of three days. So let's all pray we get a little bit of that rainstorm coming on to our lawns and gardens this weekend. You get your full weekend forecast in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Nancy is down in McDonough. Nancy joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Nancy. Hello, good morning. Walter. Hey, Nancy. What's up? I
3: have a trumpet vine. I mean, a trumpet uh, angel trumpet that's never bloomed, yeah. and it's getting—it's being eaten now by some kind of white bug. It's almost mm. like looks like fluffy.
1: Yeah. Kind of small. So, um, how old is the plant? Have you had it for? It's about 20 years, three, or
3: four, three years old now. Mm.
1: And it freezes down in the wintertime, and then it sprouts back up in the spring, right? Yep. Hmm. I'll give you my observation, and that is that there's a lot of variability in the bloom time on angel trumpet plants. Some, I don't think I've seen one yet this year, but we're still just, you know, June, I guess. But come oh, July, I will note, oh, there's one over there in the latest yard that is blooming. And then sometime in September, October even, I'll look at another yard and say, wow, the angel trumpet is still blooming. So it's possible, even though yours maybe has never bloomed before, it's possible that it's just one of the late-blooming angel trumpets and it'll eventually get to do what it wants to do. It wants to bloom. It wants to have a little fun and to have babies and seeds and things like that. And all you have to do is keep it healthy and alive and keep the leaves on it. I don't know what the bug eating it could be. I'll tell you right now, there's a couple of woolly aphids, apple woolly aphid. Look online. Do this, do this for me. It's look online for apple woolly aphid and see if that's not the things you have. They're not terribly damaging to a plant, but look it up and see if you get any more information from that. It's 628 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden right after news.
0: I'm in tears in the crying. 5 five. And AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center, playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your Lawn and Garden questions at 404-872-0750 or one eight hundred wsb Talk. And now, here's Walter. It's
1: 635 on a Saturday morning. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful in your landscape, in your garden. In your houseplant efforts, if you have a question about what you can be doing, how to do it before the rain comes, this is great news. If we think we have a good 50 to 80% chance of rain this afternoon, plan on it. Get out there and get things done. And then when the rain comes, you can be happy that the water has watered in the plants that you planted or taken the insecticide to where it needs to be in the lawn. You've got lots of stuff to do before it rains. Our number is 404 872 Zero seven fifty. Chad's in commerce and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Chad, good morning.
3: Hey, good morning, Walter. How can I help? i my call, been a long-term listener. Um, I'm having a problem with some ivy. Uh, when I first bought my house, uh, there was quite a bit of ivy in the flower beds.
1: Yeah.
3: And I sprayed it with a, uh, a generic kill-all and thought I'd gotten rid of it. But now I've noticed it's come back and mm. it's uh, overtaking all of my irises and uh, <laughs> uh, hostas and all my flowers, and it's even gone under my sidewalk out into my grass. Yeah, I've tried everything I know to do, and I'm at a loss how to get rid of this.
1: And why haven't you hired a poor little teenage boy up somewhere in Commerce and say, "Son, go out there and pull that ivy up," and you know, create a job, kids happy, you're happy, the ivy's gone. Pulling it up out of flower beds is tough. I, there's no selective herbicide that says, I only kill ivy, and the irises and everything else stays unharmed. So I think it's hand, It's a hand-pulling job. you got to get somebody to do it. It could be you, could be a kid, but I don't think there's a good chemical way to get rid of ivy in flower beds.
3: Okay. Um, I've I tried pulling it I've picked the stems, pulled the vines, and it just seems like it's
1: there to stay yeah work on a recurring contract for these kids whoever you are out there say I want you back here every two weeks go to the back corner of the yard if there's any ivy there pull it up throw it away and if you you know give them something to look forward to every two or three weeks I guess that would that would work I mean I pull ivy I spray when it's in a place that's not with other ornamental plants I spray a little roundup on ivy that controls it just fine but I think amongst flowers this is hand pulling 101 that's what you got to do Chad
3: How would you feel about digging the bulbs up in just a soil sterilant or something like that in the area?
1: No, I don't think soil sterilants are going to help the iris go any better than they have already. Nah, yeah, I don't think you're going to be able to do anything herbicidally, chemically, anything like that. It's hand-pulling. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. All right, Chad, get that kid out there and make it work. I'm paying right now $10 an hour, but when I see little Sean and little Boyd come to my house and mow my lawn and pick up my sticks and help me put mulch out and things like that, it is a bargain to have these two kids to help me. Get your couple of kids and work with them. All right, well, thank you, Walter. Thank you, Chad. We'll see you soon. 404-872-0750. Dan is up in Atlanta or over here in Atlanta. Dan joins us on Lawn and Garden. Dan, hey man, good morning
4: Good morning, Mr. Reeves uh, You always do a good job Thank you uh, Just three questions about uh, one, one about iron on fescue Would that help green my fescue lawn? Oh
1: man, yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah I'll just tell you an Unqualified yes Ironite or Ironite Plus Either one works great the, if it's you know, Obviously if the grass is not dead But if it's green sort of fading Into that yellow green that fescue does In the summertime If you put some iron on it Man, it's going to be green
4: Thank you very much. Second question would be Indian Hawthorn shrubs. Are they very hardy in Atlanta?
1: <laughs> Some of them are. Um, there are lists, and I have one on my website, I can't remember the names, but it seems like it's Eleanor and Clara and, and Yeto and two or three more that don't seem to get much leaf spot on them. And then there are other ones, man, oh man, you just look at them cross eyed they get leaf spot, they defoliate, they're not the greatest in the world. Go to com and just type in Indian Hawthorne, and I'll have a list of all the ones that in experiments have proven to be more or less susceptible to leaf spot, because if you get one that gets leaf spot on it regularly, it'll be dead within the year.
4: Yes, sir. And the last question, question would be about olive bushes. I found an mm-hmm. olive bush maybe eight years ago, and yeah. I can't find any more in Atlanta.
1: I don't think Atlanta is a hot spot for olives. We have tea olive, which is a Osmanthus that has real pretty flowers. It smells so good in the spring and and the fall, but you're talking about regular edible olives, right?
4: No no, no, this would be a decorative olive bush,
1: okay, but is it the if it's not an edible plant, if it's not the edible olive we get olive oil from, what plant do you have when you oh, say olive uh, bush? i
4: I have the plant. it's been there over five years. i I don't see any. Olives on it. I thought it, he sold it to me as an olive bush, and uh-huh. uh, so it doesn't uh, have any any olives. It's just, it's just a decorative hmm.
1: plant. I don't think we have this identified enough that I can give a recommendation because okay. olive okay. bushes can grow outside. I have a couple of people who have the, their olive bush or olive tree in a protected little courtyard and does okay in Atlanta. And One of those people is up in Gainesville, actually. But there are a couple more plants that are referred to commonly as olive plants. One is I- tea olive and the other one is uh, Eliagnus. Okay. So let's find out what it is. Go outside, take some pictures, send them into my website at uh, name that plant, and just see if we get a good ID on it. And when you got a good identification, call me back next Saturday. We'll talk more.
4: I certainly appreciate it, sir.
1: Dan, it's great talking to you. Thanks for calling. We got Lee in Blairsville, North Georgia. Lee in Blairsville. Hey, Lee. Hey, um, chicks. Yeah. Uh, found a
2: couple on um, my. Uh, recliner
1: yeah found
2: a cu- couple of my animals some dead yeah. some alive yeah what do I do uh,
1: number one make sure your animal has been treated do you they, know veterinarians? They, they
2: take um, next card.
1: okay good as long as you have a treatment on the animal that's and good I've thing. been using echo smart lawn spray mm-hmm. on the lawn but ticks don't live in the lawn. So, you know, it's going sort of waste your insecticide if you're putting it on the lawn. The best place to find a tick is on little low-growing branches and shrubbery and maybe tall grass over in the corner of the yard or anything that puts them on about two, two and a half maybe feet above the ground because that's where dog, deer, cat, all the other creatures that ticks like to suck their blood, that's where they'll be, humans sometimes too. And so if you're going to put insecticide out, concentrate it in places where ticks live, and that is, again, Tall grass, branches two and a half feet off the ground. Not the lawn. There's just nothing out there in the lawn that makes the tick happier. <laughs> it makes or, you think you'll find a dog to be on. I a couple with my hair. Yeah. Well, you know, keep an eye on things. If you go out and spray at the right place, then the population should just go way, way down, and you won't find any in the chair and in your hair.
2: Um. What about spraying the sofa? That.
1: That I found them on. I don't recommend spraying insecticides much inside the house, and I don't think that's appropriate. I don't think that could be dangerous to you, dangerous to people who visit and sit in that sofa. I think that's a bad way to go. If you want to treat a little bit on the sofa, I've got a way to do that. And to get that. a big black. Uh, garbage bag and put a pillow per bag. Don't put two pillows in a bag, put one pillow per bag. Cinch it up tight and then put it out on your driveway in the middle of the summertime sun and it will get so hot inside that it'll kill any insect that's in the, and at least the seats that you're able to take outside.
2: What about uh, what about uh, cleaning it with a, um, you know, um...
1: Just uh, detergent or spray or right. something like that? I don't think that's going to work. I think that the best thing to do is either – I don't want you to discard the sofa, but just at least treat the pads, at least treat the, the pillows that are on the sofa first, and then work on the shrubbery around the backyard where the dog goes. I'm thinking pretty, pretty soon, Lee. You're not going to see any more ticks ever again, and I think that's the way to do it. You guys, The dog has already been treated, so that's good. But I just don't think cleaning the sofa is going to work, and I don't think putting insecticides on the sofa is a great, uh, safe thing to do. So treat it differently, treat it more, a little bit more organically inside at least, and keep your family safe. Lee, i got to go, but thanks for calling. Mark is in Stockbridge, and he joins us. Hey, Mark. Good morning thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. Um, Can you advise me on how to deal with Japanese
3: beetle on (laughs) grapevines? They have been devouring my grapevine leaves, and I have tried uh, soapy water, and I'm afraid that might be burning my leaves um, a little bit. It will. I've tried uh, eyed 8. I put milky spore down around the garden, and of course that's a new application, so it's going to take a couple of years to work, but What can I do to save my grapevine?
1: (laughs) I cannot wait to get a product that somebody from a company Uh, sent to me an email describing, it's been at least three weeks ago I guess now, and they said, we have a great Japanese beetle deterrent and it's totally non-chemical. And so I looked them up to find more about this little product. It is a vibrator. It's a little thing that you can strap to the branches of a uh, grapevine or maybe to the wire if you have a a grape wire arbor. And every randomly 10, 20, 50 seconds it goes like that. Because you know, you know that, Mark, if you have a Japanese beetle on a rose bush or on your grapes or anything, if you just come and touch the vine, all of them fall off and they go other places. So this vibration thing, I am greatly looking forward to trying. It's not on the market yet as far as I can tell, but I'm going to try it out. If it works, then I'll tell you first thing. Other than that, I think the Bonide 8 is probably the best thing to use because it's a pyrethroid insecticide. It is uh, generally speaking going to be very much less toxic to humans and birds and mammals and really toxic to the Japanese beetles.
3: Okay, it's just being consistent with it then yeah. and uh, I mean I'm out there twice a day. Morning and evening, pulling those things off—they're right. more prolific than rabbits.
1: <laughs> The—you know—I talked to the guy earlier about having a a uh, kid do work for you. And this—if you had any kids in the eight, nine, ten-year-old range—you can take them a, a little cut with water in the bottom, a little soapy water maybe, and say, "Hey, kids, let's get out here early, just when you wake up, and you tap the leaf, and they'll fall off into the cup." Pay them—you know—pay them a nickel per beetle, and pretty soon you got a thriving entrepreneur there helping you. We-
3: we do because i'd be broke
1: <laughs> <laughs> well you have to work it out work it out of so, what you okay, can with, afford with
3: the lifespan are we uh, at the end of lifespan for them for the summer no. or are they
1: now no? japanese okay. beetles start emerging around the first of june and the females of course uh, they breed with the males and then they start laying eggs in the soil uh, sort of 1st of July through middle to late August, actually. So you have a long time of fecundity when the females are laying eggs in the ground, which is, and you already sort of touched on this a while ago, that you have that milky spore disease you're putting out. And you can also, if you choose to, use lawn insecticides to kill the, the eggs and the larvae as they hatch out in late fall, early, early winter. Um, and there are, again, several insecticides you can put on the lawn to control things right. that are very shallow in the, in the ground great. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Good luck with it, Mark. Thanks for calling. Thank you, sir. You bet. Coming up in the next half hour, Julie in Woodstock has a fig tree. Never grown anything. What can she do to make the fig tree get a little better? Carl in Atlanta has Asian jasmine, has a question about what to do with that. Michael out in Rockdale County. What's the best place in the, well, I can't get to the end of the sentence right there, but Michael, just hang on. We'll be with you shortly here, and Carlos and Griffin has apples and pear trees, and they're not doing much for him either. You can add your name to that list, 404 You're listening to Lawn and Garden.
0: This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News, on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend, and the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM
1: 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. It's going to be nicer today than it was yesterday in the chance of rain. That is really, really nice. Something to look forward to. Highs today in the mid-80s and overnight in the, well, it's called high 60s, low 70s, I guess. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Julie joins us from Woodstock. Hey, Julie, good morning. Julie? Julie is not there. Let's put it back on hold. Let's go to Carl in Atlanta. Hey, Carl. Good morning. Welcome to Lawn and Garden.
5: Well, good morning. I Appreciate the call. Um, got Asian jasmine put into an embankment to hold the soil, and, and over the years it's just washed down the red clay. Mm-hmm. But I have a plan. I'm going to mix up some uh sort of sandy based uh soil, this yeah. sort of a filling soil, and mix it up with some loamy material that you get from the garden center. Yeah. And. uh just layer that in there, but my question, and I know the timing's out of whack on this, but on pre-emergence, don't pre-emergence just affect just germination of seed, but Asian jasmine doesn't spread
1: that way, does it? No, it has uh, little rootlets that come out of the stems as it spreads up and down and around the hill, so it's little rootlets, not seeds.
5: So pre emergence not going to harm Asian jasmine.
1: I didn't say that. <laughs>
5: okay, well, tell, tell me about that, because I, I want to know about pre emergence. Is there a more heavy-duty one that I can put on a gravel patch to keep everything
1: out of it? Yeah, well, let me get to that second limit. Let me tell you the first thing about things that um, travel by rootless, rooting in the ground along a vine some pre-emergence do affect the growth of roots of perennial plants near where you put your pre-emergence down it also affects roots coming out of seeds so that's why generally speaking pre-emergence will keep seeds from germinating by affecting how the root grows in, from that seed but it's possible i'm not saying in every case but it's possible for the pre emergent also to, help, to uh, hinder the rooting on uh, Ground covers like Asiatic jasmine. So, frankly, I think the rule is read the label. If the label says you can use this on ornamental plants, just do it this rate, this rate. Mm-hmm. Uh, use it that way, and if not, don't use a pre or don't use that brand anyway. A pre-emergent. No.
5: Well, they they already said no, and I I got to thinking about it, so I was, I was zeroed in on the seeds yeah. germinating, but. Kind of complicated with seeds sprouting roots yeah, and all that stuff. In yeah. <laughs> okay. and,
1: and answer to your second question, you just got a big gravel area. You don't want anything to grow there. Is that right? Yes. Um, look on the label again. When you're talking about soil sterilants, you have to be real careful. There's not any water coming across that area that could wash it into. A landscape place that you don't want any any mm-hmm. poison to be put, but there's a product called Durazone, D-U-R-A-Z-O-N-E made by Bayer, I believe and Durazone okay. works, I'm sure there's a miracle Grow or Ortho product that would do approximately the same thing mm-hmm. but uh, the thing to be real careful of is don't let it get off that site where you're spraying it, so if okay, it goes down words, to your shrub uh, and trees, you're out of luck
5: In other words, if, once it settles in, I mean it's doesn't have a settling in it. it. It could wash at any time
1: later on. Is it's much saying. more likely right after you apply it. When it's coming off the surface of the pieces of gravel and things like that. But once it gets into the ground, there's not a lot of wash off of any mm-hmm. of these chemicals once it hits the soil. But if
5: the, the, the weather has been raining like it is, there's that danger.
1: Yeah. yeah. Wait till you sort of see Kirk saying it's going to be four or five days of sun, you know, everything, no rain or anything like that, that's when you put the the, uh, stuff down. Again, Durazone or one of the uh, ortho products would probably do a great job for you. i got to go, though. Thanks for Carl. Thanks for calling. we got Michael in line. He'll be next up about what's the best place in the yard to put his blueberries. Angela is calling for a friend who has borers and suckers that are coming out of their plant. What do we do now? And Carl, of course, wants to know about his apples and pears. We'll talk to them in the next hour. And we might talk to you if you call 404 two zero seven fifty. We'll be back right after news.